Welcome to the Good Dog Pod. I am your host, Laura Reeves. Here at the Good Dog Pod, we are all about supporting dog breeders and responsible dog ownership. We provide dog lovers with the latest updates in canine health and veterinary care, animal legislation and legal advocacy, canine training and behavior science, and dog breeding practices. Subscribe and join our mission today to help give our dogs the world they deserve. Welcome to the Good Dog Pod. I am your host, Laura Reeves, and I am super excited today. Dr. Gail Watkins, who is now newly Good Dog's Head of Education, the founder of Avidog, which is a phenomenal training system for our dogs and raising system for our dogs. Gail and I are going to talk today about sort of reprogramming your dog's schedule. We've all been sort of working from home and around a lot. Many of us acquired a new pet during this pandemic time. And those pets frequently have never had to have a schedule because we've been around a lot. So let's talk, Gail. Let's talk about, because like I said, we can't go from zero to 60 on this. Our dog's brains don't work that way. Absolutely. And I think you're bringing up a really good point, Laura, that most likely this is going to affect all of our pets and all of our lives. Because even if you're not going back to work, you're going to start engaging in social activities or really going shopping as opposed to walking out (laughs) in the front porch and picking up your box or whatever. As society opens up again, we're going to start to leave our dogs and puppies more often now. And most of them aren't prepared for it. Even if you had a dog that prior to the pandemic was accustomed to you going to work every day or you going to baseball games with the kids, that will change for every one of our dogs as well as us. And so thinking about it and planning it and beginning to schedule preparation is so important for us to be good fair, supportive owners for our dogs, because we've leaned on them. We have leaned on them during this pandemic. I honestly don't know anyone who has not used their pets as emotional support during this crazy time. It's true. Yeah. And so we need to repay them by preparing them for our departures. So, so, so important for just being a good partner. You know, Gail, that is so on point. I don't think we forget our dogs, but we get wrapped up in, okay, I've got to plan this and I've got to plan that. And the kids are going to school and I'm going to Hawaii and, you know, whatever it is. And so I want us to focus just for a minute on our dogs. And so how are we going to do that? What is the process that we should be going through? We need to begin to introduce our dogs, and this is dogs of all ages, to separation from us, because the vast majority of them have had possibly no separation or no more than half an hour. Yeah, it could be (laughs) absolutely none. It could be we run out to go shopping, but as our lives begin to change, so we are going to be separated from our dogs more often. And we need to begin to prepare them for that. 
So as you look ahead and say, oh my gosh, I have to go back to work on June 1st, today is the day to start this process. It's so critical to not do it the day before and to begin to plan. So as I look at it, the number one thing you need to do is go make some purchases if you don't have things on hand. Kongs, great thing to use to stuff. We'll talk just briefly about stuff Kongs unless someone else has done it on your podcast. We have, but it's but okay. There's Kong, always a new recipe. <laughs> I think everyone has their own special Kong recipe. We want to get Kongs. We want to get marrow bones. We want to get chew toys. All of those things are important. We want to begin to plan where are we going to leave the dog? Because my recommendation is even if you have a nine-year-old dog who has lived with you while you've worked your entire life, you probably don't want to give that dog run of the house the first week. Mm -hmm. You want the dog to feel more comfortable, have a safe space. And in that space, there should be noise. So a TV, a radio, Alexa, if she'll play the entire day and right. talk. To your dog. We need to set that up with Alexa. Like, talk to the dog. Play the good dog pod all day. <laughs> I love it. Absolutely. So you want to start that planning in that comfortable room, ideally baby-gated, not door closed. There is bed, things to do, noise to accustom the dog and give the dog some background noise. I don't find in this case, white noise machines are particularly helpful. People's voices, voices are by right. far, exactly, by far the most comforting to dogs. So you have your goodies for your dog. You have your space for your dog. And now you're going to begin to plan how is this going to happen before and then when you leave your dog. So as you begin to reprogram, you need to look at what your schedule is going to be like and begin to pattern that with your dog. And to start with, you're not going to leave your dog for four hours. You're going to leave your dog for four minutes. Right. But you have to do the prepare to leave sequence. So that's going to be shoes, purse if you're a woman, coat, car keys, all of the things that you're going to do that will cue your dog that you're leaving. You want to start preceding some quiet time with those now so that you can vary how long you're gone and the dog doesn't begin to say, oh my gosh, when she picks up the keys, she goes away for eight hours. So you want to pick up the keys, walk out the door for 30 seconds, come back and feed them. You want to pick up the keys, go out into the garage, turn around, walk back in again. And so you're going to randomize how these cues predict your behavior to the dog, because ideally they don't predict right now. They will eventually. Dogs are amazing at being able to see. I don't know about your dog's Laura, but if I put my hiking boots on. Oh, yeah. Ballistic. Nuts. Ballistic. Nuts. If I put good shoes on, you know, work shoes right. on, they go to their beds and lie right. down because right. they know. That they bark at me at this point because they think I'm a stranger. <laughs> <laughs> Who is this person in heels? <laughs> exactly. So here's a question for you, Gail. And this is one I think is really important. And you talk to me about your feelings about it. I find that how 
we leave our dogs is very important. Our interaction with them. Do we say, hey, see you in a bit, have a good night or have a good nap? Or do we say, oh, oh mommy's going to be gone forever. I hope you're going to be okay. Oh, I know it's going to be terrible. Hear the tone of our voice and our thought process comes through to the dog. How do you feel about that? I so agree with you, Laura. And I think this is a really difficult thing for us. This takes self-discipline on our part. And so we should not do prolonged goodbyes. Yes. Honestly, you can say goodbye. You can say nothing. You can say nothing to your dog. You pick your keys up. They got it. You know, you're going somewhere. Give them a reward, a treat, a chew that they never get any other time. They only get when you walk out the door and it's the highest value treat you can think of. It could be a pig's ear, a pizzle stick, stuffed Kongs with most of their breakfast in it because the dogs don't need to eat out of their bowls. They can eat out of their Kongs and be perfectly happy. You've got the bed, the music, the voices. Talk radio is not good anymore. That can be a little extreme for dogs. I avoid talk radio. (laughs) No news. (laughs) No news. Only radio stations that play nice music. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I play? This is going to sound terrible. I play soaps for my dogs. Oh, that's funny. So I just put it on the soap. You know, because it's a lot of conversation. Right. The Hallmark Channel. Kim loves the Hallmark Channel. The Hallmark Channel. The Hallmark Channel's on a lot. Yes. In the kennel, they get XM radio. So they get Jimmy Buffett or they get, (laughs) because those guys have chatter all the time. And so that's, yeah. Margaritaville. Yes, that's exactly what my dogs listen to. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. I love it. So you're going to have these really unemotional departures from your dog. Because you're right, dogs reflect our emotions. And if we get ourselves worked up because we're leaving our dogs, now we've given them a reason to be anxious, to either be anxious or excited. And we don't want either one of those things. We want them to say, hey, it's nap time. I'm going to go have my really delicious chew and I'm going to crash. Yeah. But equally important, Laura, and I know you know this, is arrivals home are the exact same way. When you come home, do not greet your dog. Do not hug and kiss. Do not tell them how sorry you are for having been gone all day. Because as we do that, we again raise their anxiety. And as we raise their anxiety, dogs have amazing internal clocks. And they begin to predict, especially if you're going to work and you come home at five o'clock every day or you come home at six o'clock every day. So they begin to back up that timeline and say, Uh, mama's going to be home in 15 minutes. And now they begin to get anxious. Then they back it up a little bit more, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes. And now you have a dog that's spending hours anxiously awaiting your arrival. They always want to see us. And so you could walk out, take the trash out and get a really eager greeting from your dog. You don't need to get them wound up about the thought of you arriving home. And so I always say, ideally, and especially if you have a dog with separation anxiety, walk in the door, don't look at the dog, put your stuff away, put your groceries away, hang up your keys, change your shoes, and then greet the dog. So now this wonderful greeting where everybody's so happy to see each other 
takes place while you are at home, not while you are arriving home. And it will dramatically decrease the anxiety your dog feels as they're anticipating. And it's not a bad anxiety. It's excited anxiety as they anticipate our arrival, but it still isn't helpful to them. It's still anxiety. And especially you get caught in traffic. It's still anxiety. You get caught in traffic. You decide to go celebrate with a friend and have a beer after work. All of those things throw your schedule off and your dog is sitting at home thinking that you should have been home 20 minutes ago. And that makes dogs very anxious. So as random as you can make it and as unemotional. Gail, the part that you just said about random is something that I really, really practice. I was a professional handler for a lot of years. We could be driving all day. We could be showing at eight o'clock in the morning, or we could be showing at three o'clock in the afternoon. So I literally intentionally make my dog's schedules random from when they're baby puppies. You eat when I give you the food. You go out and play when I put you out to play. And so I have found over the years that for the most part, I have had very, very, very few dogs with major anxiety issues because they start from birth, literally with as random a schedule as I can accomplish. I totally agree with you, Laura. And I think we might be outliers in this. I think we are. (laughs) Yeah, we might be outliers in a few other things, but we see that puppy owners are told, set a schedule immediately for your puppy. And we do that. That guidance is typically given so that house training is a little easier for us. So you know your puppy pooped before you put it in the crate at night, which is nice. But I do exactly what you do. So I have about a two-hour period for breakfast. I have about a two-hour period. You might eat at six. You might eat at eight. I'm not of the philosophy that they shouldn't. I take issue when I feed them because our dogs 100% depend upon us for their food and For most of them, their food's really important to them. Super important. Yeah. So I agree with you that randomizing as much as we can. And I know if you've got three kids and you're heading out the door for work, you got to feed the dog. You got to walk the dog. I mean, there are specific things that you need to do, but you can do them in different orders Mm -hmm. and you can vary the time, even if it's by 15 minutes. And I don't know if you do this, Laura, but... If my dog starts demanding I do something, it automatically means they don't get it. (laughs) You got it. If they're saying, hey, it's dinner time, it's definitely not dinner time. That's when I read the paper or read a magazine. And that isn't to be cruel. And it isn't to be harsh with the dog. It's because I know they're going to be happier, more stable dogs if I don't give in to those demands. So I know it's difficult, but Laura and I are making a claim that I honestly have never had a dog with anxiety problems in 40 years. Never. And I could actually go back to my childhood dachshund because we were in the army and, you know, he lived wherever we lived and he worked on whatever schedule we, you know, it was a completely random lifestyle for him. And he was the most stable, little difficult guy I've ever (laughs) lived with. But it's the truth. I've Mm -hmm. never had separation anxiety. Right. The only dog I have ever had with separation anxiety was a wire hair pointer rescue. 
that came to us with it. And that's why he was a rescue. And he was easily the most severe case of separation anxiety I've ever seen. It was heartbreaking. It was so difficult. And it literally, literally changed the course of my life. The dog could not be left unattended, simply could not. He broke out of crates. He broke out of runs. He broke out of my house. He broke out of cars. He couldn't be in a crate. He'd give himself a heart attack. He could ride loose in the car as long as you were with him. But if you had to leave him, even in nice weather, didn't matter. He learned how to unlock and open the back of the van. And (laughs) I cannot tell you how many times he did that. And he wouldn't run away. He wouldn't run into the street. He one time burst into the restaurant we were in with a crowd of diners. He tracked us into the restaurant. This is not an exaggeration. And so, and I know all the things, right? Like I know all the stuff to do. I could not reprogram this dog. And so my strongest suggestion, having lived with the debilitating level of separation anxiety that this dog came to us with, do all of the things that help your dog not reach that point. I mean, I'm going to be talking on the podcast to someone who is a specialist in separation anxiety, who really has a lot of research about it, and we'll share that information with you guys as well. But for me, the biggest thing that we can do to be good, responsible owners is to help our dogs understand that being alone is okay. Absolutely. Avoiding separation anxiety is a gift we give our dogs in return for the love they give us. I totally agree with you. So can we go back for a second on the scheduling? Yes. So we were starting to cue our dogs that we're going to work or we're going to ballet or going to swim meets, whatever we're doing. But we are only initially going to leave for three minutes, four minutes. You can walk out the door, walk to the mailbox and walk back. What we want dogs to believe is that they can't predict how long we're going to be gone and they will be safe while we are gone and we will come back to them. Yes. And those three things are the foundation for a dog that can be left home alone. Get a camera to put on your dog while you are away so that you can see what are some of the issues that come up that we may not be aware of. Barking, Mm -hmm. whining, barking, pacing. We may not know because when we walk in the door, the dog's happy. When we walk out the door, they're not happy. We know that they're not happy regardless. But we don't know if they start barking when we get in the taxi, if you're in New York or drive out of the driveway. I had a friend who had a camera on her female that had puppies and she couldn't figure out what was going on until she realized that the mailman would come and leave a package. And the only way she knew this was because of the camera and the dog would just go bananas. And that was a trigger for the dog. So we don't know what's happening in the dog's environment when we're not there. That's triggering them to be jacked up about something. That's a great point, Laura. And I do a couple of other things, particularly with female dogs that have puppies. But you can take this to dogs that you're leaving. Unplug your doorbell or put a note on it that says, knock, (laughs) do not knock, do not ring. When I have puppies, I literally put my cell phone number on that (laughs) note and say, call me, do not knock, do not ring. Bring blinds down, cover windows that look out onto the street. 
where your dog might see people approaching. And if you have a dog that really protects the house, then that isn't the room you're going to leave them in when you start this process of going back to work. You're going to put them in a family room that doesn't have windows, or you're going to put them in the kitchen that doesn't have windows. Where shouldn't you put them? You should not put them in the garage. You should not put them in the basement. You should not put them in a small powder room unless it's a baby puppy that you're housebreaking. But an exercise pen is a much better alternative for them. Exercise pens are great for adult dogs, although we do have to teach them to stay in them. Well, and you can also, if you have challenging dogs, as I have had over the years, you can use an exercise pen and you can put a lid on it. Absolutely. So that you have a larger... You can use another exercise pen. Right. So that your dog has a larger space than a dog crate, if that's something you're not comfortable with them being crated. It's a larger breed or, you know, you don't have a large enough crate. I find that you can use an exercise. You can even buy fancy ones. I have a really pretty wooden pen for my chihuahua in the house so that she has her own space, safe from the big dogs and getting stepped on, but it's pretty. So (laughs) when I did my house remodel, I'm like, I am not having a metal exercise pen in my (laughs) brand new living room. This isn't happening. So, I mean, I get that. But the nice thing about even a metal exercise pen for a dog, a young dog or a puppy or a dog that you just don't quite trust to be left alone, is they fold up and can go away. So the only time you set it up is you set it up on the tile floor in the kitchen and they have a bed and they have a bowl and they have water and they have all the stuff. And if they have an accident, it's easy enough to clean all those things. And then you fold it up and nobody ever has to see it until the next day. I think exercise pens are some of the best investments every dog owner, because your dog has a surgery, your mother-in-law comes with her toy poodle, and you have a great Dane. There are so many times you've got friends that come over with a newborn baby who aren't comfortable with licks and slurps and things like that. So if your dog is comfortable in an X-Pen, you can take it to people's houses, you can put it anywhere in your house. They are fabulous and I mean, they're usually $50 or less. These are not expensive investments. And as Laura said, they fold up and go away. Yeah. So I think that that is something that we can definitely encourage people as we're doing this schedule changing and we're thinking about reprogramming the dogs to be home alone. I'm feeling like there's a movie here. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) We can avoid that. What's that little guy's Macaulay Culkin? We can avoid the Macaulay Culkin of dogs. Oh, okay? yeah, yeah. So that's what I want to think about. And I want to encourage our listeners to think about that and to truly be considerate of the dog as we consider our own lives changing. Absolutely. And being that really good, dedicated partner that says, I love to have you with me, but I know it's not healthy for you 24-7. And therefore, I'm going to start this process early. Right. Excellent. All right. Well, Gail, thank you so very much. A, I enjoy your company, and B, I think your insight for our listeners is absolutely outstanding. Love talking to you, Laura. Great to see you again. Good Dog is a secure online community that advocates for dog breeders, educates the public, helps informed puppy buyers connect directly with certified good breeders, and promotes responsible dog ownership. Good Dog is offering its Good Breeders special advanced access to the video recordings and transcripts for the full three-part 
Q&A webinar series with Dr. Hutchinson. All you have to do is sign up as a breeder at gooddog.com slash join. That is G-O-O-D-D-O-G dot com slash join. Or click the link in the show notes.